Praise the Lord. All right. Well, let's get into the Word this morning, and we've worshipped God, we've honored God with our giving, we've had announcements, we know what's coming up, and there's a whole lot of good things coming up, and uh, let's now get into the Word, and let's uh, allow God to feed our spirits through the preaching and the teaching of the Word, and uh, allow God to instruct us and to give us revelation and insight. A number of weeks ago, by the way, uh, the message uh, that Peter brought last week, how good was that? Uh, uh, speaking about Israel and the church, and because we had some discussions around that in our small group meeting on Friday night. In fact, we had our last small group meeting on Friday night uh, as we are moving up towards uh, you know, term break and, and so forth, and uh, just had a wonderful time discussing the, the content of the message. And we also had just a fantastic time listening to different people's testimony of how they got saved. And it was like, you know, it was just almost like a emotional moments there, how God just moved in people's lives and brought them to a place of salvation. And how, how good that is to hear how when people get saved. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, uh, then I'd encourage you not leave this place until you're thoroughly born again and thoroughly converted because that's where the good life is. Uh, in fact, I'll be speaking about the good life very shortly. Um, and have you know that if you've got a good life right now, it can always be better. <laughs> good life can always be better. Um, you know, there's, there's bad, there's good, and then there's best. And God wants us to have the best. And uh, so with that, let me start uh, by reading again our uh, key scripture uh, for the series of messages. Um, in uh, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. And it's in your outline, and it's also on the screen behind me. It says, where there is no vision... The people are unrestrained, but happy is he who keeps the law. So this is now the third message uh, on uh, what I have uh, uh, called the, the, the series of messages called the, the power of a vision. And prior to that, Pastor Vanessa has been speaking about vision and visualizing and, and so forth. And uh, all of that is a package deal, if you like. God's still speaking to us uh, about the power of a vision. And I'll briefly recap before we start to cover new ground. But we said the people that haven't got a vision for their life uh, live unrestrained and undisciplined lives. Uh, but people that have a vision uh, for their life, they live a disciplined and a focused life. We said that a vision is a snapshot of the future. And you soon get the idea as to who's got a vision or not because people that live unrestrained, unfocused lives, they haven't got that snapshot of the future. But God wants to give every one of, a, one of us a vision for a better future. Um, we said that a vision is a mental image seen through the eye of our imagination. Sometimes when we talk about vision, people think that, you know, you've got to fall down and go into a trance to be able to see a vision. And there are visions like that. But we can all just for a moment uh, begin to imagine what a better day would look like. And uh, having the issues and the problems that we're dealing with right now solved and moving on into a more glorious future. Our imagination is a God-given faculty. God wants us to use that to see better things up ahead. We said that the vision is a hope of a better life, a hope of a healed body, a hope of a neat mate, a hope of a better marriage, a hope of more peace in the home, a hope of, of, of whatever uh, we see in the Word of God. Whatever God has promised us, it will create a hope 
and a vision in our lives. And we said that a vision is also a desired outcome in the future. Uh, sometimes people got nightmares. Uh, nightmares is uh, bad stuff, you know, the fear of bad stuff happening in the future. But we got a hope of a better future up ahead, a hope, a hope of, a, of a desired outcome. And nobody wants them, their nightmare to come to pass, but we want our hopes and our dreams to come to pass. And finally, in Habakkuk, and I'm not about to finish preaching, by the way. I, I used the word finally, but we're only just getting started, okay? Uh, finally, here in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2, it says, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, make it plain um, on tablets that he may run who reads it. So we are instructed to write things down. Uh, we are instructed to, uh, in fact, uh, it's good to use visual aids many times. Good to write things down. And uh, uh, Pastor Vanessa and I, we have got at various times throughout our, our whole life as believers, we have had different things up on the wall, in the bathroom, on the mirror. We put scriptures up there. We put numbers and figures up there of, of finances that we believe in God for and, and other things. So visual aids that we use uh, to kind of trigger our thinking and to keep our focus on what the vision really is. So I'd encourage you to do that. Uh, this morning I want to pick up in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, 2, and 3. It says, And the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. Everybody say, a great nation. Um, I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Father, we once again thank you for your word this morning. And Lord, we thank you for your presence in this place that you hear by the power of your spirit to impress truth upon our hearts. Lord, to show us things that we have never seen before, to give us insight and revelation, and to move us, Lord, further and deeper into the blessed life that your word speaks about. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, God spoke to Abram. Um, uh, Abraham was, uh, grew up in a place called Ur of the Chaldeans. Ur is in present-day um, present Iraq. Um, at one stage it was called Babylon, uh, if you like. Uh, Babylon is a country rather than is a city. It's a region, more like it. Um, and uh, God began to stir Abraham's heart. Uh, over in Acts chapter 7, we are told by Stephen, the, the, Stephen the deacon, Stephen the, 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 the miracle worker, that God visited uh, Abraham in Ur. Uh, and then Abraham and his father moved to another place called Haran, which was uh, within the same region, but they wanted to go somewhere, but then they settled there and uh, didn't move any further until Abraham's father called Terah had died. You know, sometimes people move a little and then they get stuck again. But God wants us to move all the way. Let's not get stuck anywhere. Let's not, you know, people have a measure of success, a measure of, and then they settle down. Oh, this is comfortable. You know, things were probably reasonably comfortable in Haran. They moved from Ur to Haran. But when Abraham's father died, uh, God stirred uh, 
Abraham's heart again and says, come on, Abraham, let's get up now and let, let me take you to the land uh, that I'm talking about. Let me, let me. And so God began to like uh, stir that prophetic vision that had come into Abraham's heart and said to him, I'm moving you to a new land. Uh, specifically, of course, that was the land of Canaan, uh, what we understand to be Israel today and that whole area coming down, uh, broadening out top and bottom, uh, if you like, uh, of the nation of Israel. And so to a new land. How do you know that God wants us all to go to a new land. It doesn't mean that we have to immigrate, uh, uh, emigrate from New Zealand to go to a new land. We've got a number of people here that have come or that are coming into a house of their own. How do you know that that's a new land? When somebody moves out of a rented facility into a house of their own, that's a new land. I've just been requested this morning to go to somebody's new house and uh, they're like, bless the house. And I'm really thrilled to be able to do that because somebody's coming into a new land. Uh, and, and, and praise God, God wants that to happen. He says, uh, you'll become the father of a great nation. Um, and uh, there's a number of things that were contained in this vision, uh, in this prophetic vision that came to Abraham when God spoke to him. He says, uh, you'll be blessed mightily uh, and you'll have a great name. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, Abraham uh, has a great name amongst Jews, amongst Christians, and even amongst Muslim people. Uh, Abraham is actually quite a guy in terms of, uh, in terms of the significance of, of his life and his faith and everything. He's recognized in three different uh, um, faiths, uh, and people kind of speak well of him. So Abraham certainly has a great name. He says, you'll become a blessing to others. Um, and not only that, it says those who bless you will be blessed in return. Those who curse you will be blessed, uh, cursed in, re in return. And then in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Um, and that was kind of the package, uh, the broad outline of the prophetic vision that God brought into uh, Abraham's life. Um, things became clearer as he went along. But while Abraham was in Haran, it's just what it was. Uh, God gave him a snapshot of the future. Uh, but that's all it was. And sometimes as we are journeying and we get stuck somewhere, that's all there is until we get moving again. And as we move again, there's clarity that comes. And sometimes people can't see, can't see like they can't see the, the total detail of, of what's in, in, in the end. But, you know, sometimes God only gives us a snapshot. Um, if uh, if uh, Vanessa and I, if we had seen everything that we was going to do uh, when we first started out and we just had a desire for the word and we signed up for Bible college, I think we might have been almost like being overwhelmed with the, with the detail of it, but we just had a desire to go somewhere and to do something and to make our lives count. Uh, and so uh, it's each time we move, there's further clarity and we move a bit more and there's further clarity. So I encourage you, if you got stuck in Haran somewhere, keep on moving, get up and move. Uh, move forward, make a fresh commitment to God and move on. So Abraham received a prophetic vision. You know, Proverbs 29, and we've just read it for, uh, before, right at the beginning of this message in 29 verse 18, and I'm now reading out of the English Standard Version. It's, it puts it this way. It says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint where there's no prophetic vision. When we talk about vision, when we're talking about a desired outcome, we're not talking about fantasizing about some wild thing and some crazy thing or some selfish thing. We're talking about a God-given vision of what He has placed before us. That's what we're pursuing, a prophetic vision. I was just, uh, in fact, I made a couple of comments in Bible college that uh, 
last few weeks that kind of triggered some thinking in me. And, I'm, and, and even a couple of Sundays ago, I talked about uh, that I was in a particular meeting and uh, the man of God that ministered in that place said something that so impacted my life. Uh, and I remembered it and I've said, that's, I want that and I'm going to incorporate that word into my life and make it part of my value, make it part of my principle, and I'm going to be doing uh, what the word says. And then I got to think about it and I thought, gee, you know what? Uh, who I am today is largely the result of what I heard in different messages, in different sermons. And in every message, in every sermon, there's something there. We can't remember everything, but there's something there that we grab and we incorporate into our lives. It's a bit like teaching kids. You can't teach them uh, the pleases and thank yous of life in one session. You just can't do it. It's just all bit by bit. You know, the word says it's line upon line, precept upon precept. And uh, each message, when we lay a hold of something and we write it down, say, I'm going to meditate on that. I'm going to make an effort to incorporate that word into my life. And I'm going to become what that word says. And I, I will absolutely do what that word says. And then... Uh, I thought, and you know, when I read the word and something really stirs my heart as I'm reading, and sometimes, you know, we read like, uh, you know, do our, our daily reading to get through, you know, through the Bible in, 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 in a year, and it's okay to do that, and it's, it's, it's at some point a, a, a fantastic thing to do, but sometimes rather than rushing through the word, it's like slowing right down, and when something stirs my heart, I underline that word. And then sometimes I put a date by the side uh, and I, I make a couple of notes right there in the Bible. Of course, nowadays I'm working out of an electronic Bible, so it's figuring out how to do that. Uh, but you can't work with, uh, with ink and with pen anymore. But, uh, you know, then I think I'm, I'm, I'm going to claim that. This is what the Word says about me and I, I'm exactly that. This is, this is I'm going to lay a hold of that and this is who I am. Uh, and, and it might look everything but. But if God says this is who I am, then I've decided to believe God. And uh, so we are, in many respects, the result of words, messages, sermons that we've heard, the Bible that we've read, and we've incorporated that into our thinking, into our practice, into our value system, and so forth. And it's become part of our prophetic vision. You know, the word of the Lord that came to Abraham uh, was to move him to a better place, towards a better future, towards a better and more significant life. Each time when the word of the Lord comes to us through teaching and preaching, it is for the same purpose. It is to move us to a better place. And you might be in a good place, in a good place today, but God has a better place. The word is to move us into a better future. People say, I'm doing all right, but God's got a better future. Some people say, my life's not good at all. Well, God's got a good place for you. And towards a, a better and a more significant life. You know, a significant life is not a life where somebody makes a name for themselves, but it's what, how can we impact other people's lives? That's what significant is. We need to move beyond ourselves. God says to Abraham, Abraham, I'm not only going to bless you, but I'm going to make you a blessing to other people. And in you, all the families of the earth will be, will be blessed. So once we move outside of our own needs and outside our, of our own, own deal and our, outside of our own uh, uh, you know, rut, so to speak, it's thinking about other people as to how we can bless other people. That's when our life will become more and more significant. Once again, many people have a reasonably good life, 
but God wants it to be better. Everybody say better. All right. God knows how to make it better. Uh, and he uses his word to move us into it. See, each time we hear the word of the Lord, even as we are doing like right now, each time we hear the word, it becomes the catalyst to move us into a better life. Do you know, I've been struck by reading through Luke chapter 4, verse 18, 19, and 20, and it's not in your outline, but Jesus got up in the synagogue in Nazareth, and he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach. And it struck me that uh, people want, want God to do many things for them. But the primary way that God brings answers into our lives is through the teaching and the preaching of the Word. You ever thought about that? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach. Jesus primarily spent His life uh, before His death, uh, before His crucifixion, teaching, preaching, and yes, He went out to heal, and yes, He laid hands on the people, and yes, He cast out demons, but the primary aspect was in the teaching and the preaching of the Word. I've come to proclaim liberty to the captives. And recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are bruised, those with a broken heart, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And the acceptable year of the Lord was the year of the favor of the Lord. Not a calendar year as we understand it, but a whole period that Jesus initiated when he came. And that period will end when Jesus Christ returns to this earth, and specifically to do with the rapture of the church. So the word of the Lord, people say, ah, it's not what I need right now. I don't need a word. I need money. Well, the word will teach you how to get money. Say, so, ah, oh, that's not what I don't need. A, I don't need the sermon right now. I need a, need a better marriage. The sermon will teach you how to have a better marriage. I haven't got time for that right now. I've got so much going on in my life. I'm just, uh, you know, my, my house is in a mess. My home life is in a mess. The Word will teach you how to have peace in your home. And we're not blessed by only hearing it, but we're blessed by doing it. I tell you, I'm so, I've said this before, but I'm so intensely satisfied by family life and having kids around. Because all of us are grown up, all of the kids are grown up now. And now we've got grandchildren and then we get, you know, we got, you know, you know, just all the, all, it's just an intense satisfaction attached to all of that. But that didn't come about by itself. It came about by doing what the Word says, allowing God to teach us in regards to how to relate to one another. And, you know, with our guest speaker coming, speaking to the men, it's all about relationship. How do I relate to my, to my family? How do I relate to my wife, my husband, my kids, my parents, and the wider far now? And how do I relate to brothers and sisters? And, you see, relationships re means relating to one another. And if you're not relating to anybody, you've got no relationships. So the word of the Lord is always the catalyst. Every message that I hear, whether that's in live, in a Sunday service, or in a, in a 
workshop or in a seminar or in a special meeting or, or, or whether I'm listening to a, to a CD or, a, or to, uh, to a podcast online. Every message, I want to get something out of it that I'm able to take away and say, I'm going to incorporate that into my life. I'm going to be a doer of that word. And many times, you know, we just get reminded of what we've already heard before, but think, oh, I might have slackened off a bit in this area. I'm going to make an effort now to do what that word says. And so as soon as I make that commitment, I'm on my way to move into a better life. Luke chapter 8, verse 18. Jesus speaking, he says, so be careful how you listen. For if you have something, you will be given more. If you have nothing, even what you think you have will be taken away from you. Now that's one verse that we've lifted out of that uh, particular uh, chapter, but we need to understand that Jesus just got through teaching the parable of the sower. So is always the word. And people hear the word, and there's the four different types of soil that he discussed in this parable. You know, a parable is a natural truth to convey to us, uh, a natural example to convey to us a spiritual truth. Jesus likened the condition of our heart and divided it into four categories of soil. Um, or soil, four categories of soil. There's like the wayside soil. Then there is the stony ground. Then there is the, uh, the, the, the ground that's covered with thorns. And then there's the good ground. And we haven't got time to, to get right into all the, the, the details of it. But, but Jesus got through teaching that. And then he said a couple of other things. And then he says, be careful how you hear. So it's how we hear the word. And the value that we attach to it determines... Whether we're going to stay, whether we're going to regress, or whether we move into a better life. And I don't know how it is, but it is not uncommon in the average church, or in the average meeting, that during the preaching there's people kind of wandering around, and like suddenly they feel the urge to go outside, to comb their hair, or to just fluff around, to do one thing or other, and immediately we know these people are not hearing the word. If a message is preached... I want to hear the very first word that said that if the minister is worth his salt, he will tell us where he's going and what he's going to say and what he's going to do, and then he will give us the content, and afterwards he will do a wrap-up to tell us what he said. I need to hear every word because if I don't receive anything during that message, even what I think I have, I'll end up losing. It's exactly what Jesus said here. These are strong words, friends. Be careful how you listen. If you have something, you'll be given more. Like if I get something out of it and I lay hold of the word and I make an effort to say, this is what I'm going to do. My life's going to change because I'm making a decision today to wean myself off of immature stuff and I'm going to act more maturely and whatever the word says, then I'll be given more. And I'm on my journey. I'm not stuck in Haran anymore. I'm moving towards uh, the place that God has prepared for me. But if I fluff around and I take an immature approach to the word and say, ah, you know, one man said, I've heard it all before. Bad attitude. Bad attitude. Immediately I know that what this man thinks he has, even that will be taken away from him because he's not hearing the word with the intensity and the value attached 
that Jesus wants us to attach to his word. So the four different types of soil. A quick summary again. Uh, many of you know the parable. The wayside soil is the seed of the word that was trampled on. Um, no care was taken. It was just thrown down any old where. A careless approach to the word. Not really all that keen to, to bring anything forth. Yeah, yeah, we heard it. Uh, and the Bible says as soon as the word was sown, the devil comes and steals the word. It's just gone. Uh, sometimes pe before people are out the door, the devil has already stolen the word which is a real tragedy. Because everybody hears the word uh, in terms of their natural ears, but we got spiritual ears, and we, have, we attach a, a value to this word that God's bringing into our life to bring forth a prophetic vision to live a significant life. The second soil is the stony ground uh, where the seed, of the, uh, the, the seed of the word couldn't take root. It sprang up. And people were initially excited, but when there was a persecution to the rose because of the word, it just all wilted and it never produced anything. By the way, Jesus says, if we don't understand this parable, we will not understand any of the other parables either. This is like the parable of all parables. This is the mother of all parables. That's really what Jesus will say. All right? You understand this one, then you can understand the others. You don't understand this one, then the others will not make sense either. The third type of ground is the, the thorny ground, uh, where some of the seed fell amongst thorns, and the thorns choked the word. And I'm not suggesting that thorns are stronger than the word, but it's not down to the word or to the seed, it's down to the condition of the heart that determines whether we're going to bring forth or whether it will just be same old, same old. People sometimes walk around the same mountain over and over and over. And it's like what they did in the wilderness. God says, I'm moving you on into the promised land. A journey that should have taken six, seven, eight days at the most from Egypt on into the promised land 40 years. Going around in circles. Why is that? People didn't listen to the word. They did not attach value to what God was speaking into their lives. Promised land was sitting there waiting for them all along, a place that God had prepared for them, a land flowing with milk and honey. But uh, they just walked around the same old mountain. And some of them camped, said, oh, we want to stay here. And sometimes people do that. They find something and it's, uh, they've come to a good place and say, we want to stay here, but we're always journey. The Bible tells us we're all pilgrims in this life. Finally, the last type of soil is the good ground where the seed of the word grew and produced and, uh, and they brought forth in one uh, gospel that speaks about some 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. So if I want to be a producer, I need to hear the word and I need to keep it. And I need to clear away the thorns. I need to clear away the unforgiveness. I need to clear away the, 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 the stuff that the devil tries to bring into my life through nightmare and try to scare me off the future. I say, no, devil, I've got a glorious future. For me, life's going to get better and better. I will not have you fill my heart with fear, devil. I will not, I will not uh, think about accidents and calamities because the Bible says that a thousand may fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, but it shall not come near me, Psalm 91. Because that's the word. That's the prophetic vision. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. It says, My son, attend to my word. This is God speaking, speaking to his sons and to his daughters. It's not just about male. This is about, you know, children of God. My, my children attend to my word. One translation says, pay attention to the word. Don't pay attention to what the person is doing in front of you or behind you. God says, pay attention to my word. Sometimes, I'm not making fun of everybody, but sometimes some, some people are like children at school where one of the kids gets up and walks from here to there and the teacher is trying to teach something and everybody looks <laughs> distracted. He says, pay attention to the word. Okay. Praise God. Are we having a good time this morning or what? <laughs> pay attention to the word. There is a word, there's a prophetic word, a part of this message here that's been designed to move you into the next phase of your prophetic vision if you learn to lay a hold of it and cherish it and keep it and become a doer of the word. Amen. Consent and submit to my sayings. Submit. Don't argue with the word. Don't try to wiggle out. God puts his finger on the air in your life. Don't wiggle out. He says, all right, God, we're going to do what it says. We, we will be doers. It'll be, I don't know how, but don't, it'll be difficult, but we're going to do it. Because it is the doers of the word that we will be blessed, not the hearers only. Keep them in the center of your heart. See, the word only produces in the center of our heart. It doesn't produce around the fringes, around the edges of the heart. That's the wayside soil that, that just the devil comes and steals the word. It produces when we put it right in the center of our being. For their life to those that find them in health and, and uh, health and healing to all of their flesh. They, the sayings, the Word of God, their life to those that find them. What do you mean find them? Uh, we're all listening to, to the same message. Oh, not, not everybody finds the truth that's in there for them. Because we've got to pay attention. We've got to be alert. <laughs> Talk to the person sitting next to you in the side say, be alert. There's a prophetic vision. And God wants to move you through into the next phase of that vision. Keep and guard your heart, verse 23, with all diligence. And above all that you guard, for out of it flows the springs of life. Your heart is the most important part of your whole being. It's not your head. It's not your smarts. It's not your mind. It's your heart. Yes, we are spirit. We have a soul. We live in the body. All three parts are important, but the heart is the most important thing. And only the Word of God can prepare the heart to bring forth. You know, in the old days, we used to have computers with floppy disks. I remember the floppy disks. Some of the young people said, what's a floppy disk? We used to have floppy disks, and you shove the thing in there, and it says, oh, the, it's not formatted. 
It needs, before you can put anything on there, it needs to be formatted. Um, and so we had to run through the whole process of formatting. See, only the Word of God can format your heart and arrange things and put it in a place so that, yes, everything is important in life. Everything, you know, there's family, there's money, there's work, there's recreation, there's, everything is important, but God's most important. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. <laughs> okay. So it formats our heart. When we first get born again, there should be a formatting where we clear away everything of what was previously thought to be important, and now we've got new priorities. We make church a priority in our lives. We make small group a priority. We make the Word of God a priority. We don't miss services unless for some reason it can't be avoided. And if it can't be avoided, we're not happy to be away from church, but we think, oh, I wish I could be there. And, and if we miss a, a message, we jump online and we, we hear the Word because God works in packages. And I've said this before, but... You know, if we teach a, a series of messages of four to six messages in any given theme, and you miss half of those, many people are always running around with half the story. Half the story. <laughs> if you were a doctor and you had to operate on me, I, I'd want to make sure that you haven't missed half the lectures. Don't operate on maybe the half the story. <laughs> Brain surgeons like, oh, I missed a few lectures, but let me cut you open. No, 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 thanks very much. Don't you cut me open. In fact, we don't need to be cut open anyway. We declare that we heal by the stripes of Jesus and no evil befalls us and no plague comes near our dwelling. Psalm 91. It says, let them not depart from your eyes. Let them, the sayings, don't let the sayings depart from your eyes. Keep it in front of you, your eyes. Keep, 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 keep it in, in the word in front of your eyes. Actually, uh, sort of looking around a bit in dictionaries and like just to get some sense of what exactly is God speaking to us about. In one dictionary there, in the uh, dictionary of biblical languages, it says, let them not be lost from view. And you know, I, I, I had a sudden revelation. It's not like, uh, oh, where's my Bible? I left it out of my view. Actually, that's not what he's saying. I mean, how, you know, it's a good thing to keep your Bible in view and, and to keep it close by and not, not lose it and, and not even miss it for three months. How many you know it's a good idea you know, to, to keep it close by? But that, that's not what he was saying. See, when we hear the Word of God, it produces an image on the inside of us. It produces a prophetic vision. Of, of what life could look like and of what God has prepared for us down the future. And you know, when he says, don't let it be departing from view, what that means is when we first heard the word about a particular thing, about a, you know, a particular deal going on or something that God wants, God says, hold that picture. and Don't let the devil steal it from you. Hold that picture. How do I hold the picture? I go back to the same word. There are certain messages that Vanessa and I have heard over years that we've listened to again and again and again. And in the old days, we used to have tapes. 
And I said this before, but it makes me sound like a fossil. You know, like now they've got CDs and now it's even, you know, you've got memory sticks, flash drives and all sorts of things. But we used to have tapes and tapes would actually wear out. We've worn tapes out. Just listen over and over because I wanted to retain that, that image, that prophetic vision that God had given me. When I heard that word, something sparked something off on, on the inside of me and I wanted to retain that picture and not it go hazy and I get busy with other things and then I'm not headed in the same direction that God wants me to go. So the instructions are what you first saw when you heard the word Hold on to that picture. Hold on to it. Why do we buy CDs of messages so we can hear it again and see the same thing again? When I get a revelation, I immediately bring out my pad and I write it down and I date it. I write down the initial thought of what came to me. That's, that's the, the, the snapshot of the future. I can pack it out later on, but initially I need to write down while it's fresh because God's speaking to me. And, you know, it's been said that the language of the Holy Spirit is visions and dreams, pictures. We hear the word. We hear letters and words and sentences, but it produces pictures. Hold the picture. Hold on to the prophetic vision. Don't let the devil steal it from you. We had Graham Cook here late last year. And like, wow, what a wonderful ministry we've had. And, and some of the messages that he brought. And, and praise God for, for, for prophecy and different things. But he says, look, he says, when you get a prophecy, he says, you need to transcribe that thing. Because God is producing a prophetic vision in your life. And you need to hold that picture, otherwise it will not come to pass. Have you know that prophecy automatically doesn't come to pass? If prophecy automatically came to pass, we would all be miles down the track. Because we've all, most of us had lovely words spoken over us and, you know, just awesome stuff and, and everything else. But prophecy is conditional. And prophecy is potential. Everybody say Potential. How many know that I would have the potential to run faster than what I'm doing right now? But unless I train and unless I, I, I apply myself, I'm not going to get any faster. But I'm telling you, I'm not going to get slower either. <laughs> Praise God. So anyway, what I'm saying is, the Word tells us to hold the picture. I nearly got myself confused there. Hold the picture. Don't let the devil steal the prophetic vision from you. Transcribe the prophecy. Go over it. And you know, as Brother Hagen used to say, when he got a message from God to preach, he says, God will give him the bones. And then he'll sit down and put the flesh on it. And you know, when we first get a prophetic vision, it's just the bones, just the general outline, a snapshot. And then we put in the finer detail. See, when God spoke to Abraham, Abraham, get up, leave your father's house, Move away to a new land that I will show you. And then God says, I'll bless you. I will make your name great. You'll be a great nation. And, but that was the, 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 the totality of the detail. It was really just a snapshot of the future. And as he got going, and he saw the land, 
And then he built an altar and he worshipped God. And, and God says, all right, Abraham, arise, walk through the land, the length and the breadth of it, for I'll give it to you and to all of your descendants. Walk up and down and across, whatever you see, wherever place the souls your feet step on, I'm going to give that to your descendants. And, uh, and there were times when the descendants of Abraham uh, pretty much occupied a, a greater part of what God had promised them. Of course, we know today, and of course, Peter did a fantastic job last week speaking about the struggles of Israel in terms of the land and everything. But this is not the final chapter. The prophetic vision will come to pass. So long as somebody believes it and somebody stands on the word and somebody says we will not deviate from the prophetic vision. He said, God says, write it down, make it plain on tablets that he that reads it may run. And he says, no, he says, uh, he says though the, the prophetic vision tarries, though it waits. He says, he says don't, don't be discouraged. It will surely come to pass. A prophetic word from God produces a prophetic vision. Don't let that vision depart from your eyes. Don't let it be lost from view through letting the devil steal the word. And that's the wayside soil. That is one of the conditions where people just, you know, just wayside... Uh, I remember when I used to drive around on my parents' farm and doing some work on tractors and different things. And, uh, you know, there was fields all around the house, but uh, certain stretches of the fields were, were like tracks where you'd run with the tractor and with the wagon and everything. There's no point in sowing seed on that stretch there because there was just sand there. Some of it was just there was no growth at all. And the little bit of growth that there was wasn't any good for anything. It's wayside, trampled over. Don't let the devil steal the prophetic vision through affliction and persecution. That's the stony ground where people initially get excited. But the Bible says because they have no root in themselves. They haven't cleared away the boulders of, uh, you know, of just uh, bad memories and sometimes just, uh, you know, a broken heart and haven't got over it and haven't just still wallowing in their hurts and in their disappointments and harboring unforgiveness which sits there underneath the soil. You don't always see it, but something happens and something triggers something off and suddenly the claws come out and that's stony ground. God says, repent of all these things and let me remove that stuff out of your life. So the soil is clear, not only on the surface, but deep down there's nothing left for the devil to hook into and to give you a hard time with. And don't let the devil steal it through the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things. The thorny ground. The word was sown in amongst the word, uh, in amongst the thorns. And the thorns are the cares of this world. Sometimes people sit in church and think about next week. How am I going to pay my bills next week? How am I, how am I going to deal with that thing? How am I going to deal with that? Listen, let the word just instruct you. And lay down your worries and your cares. It'll work out if we pay attention to the word because that's the instruction. Pay attention to the word. 
Incline your ears to my sayings, God says. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. We're trusting in God. We're not trusting in, in the arm of flesh. We're not going to work it out in the natural. Most battles are won in the realm of the Spirit. In prayer. So be determined to keep the word and bring your prophetic vision to realization. There are certain things that Vanessa and, and I prayed about that some things just took multiplied years, like, man, multiplied years before it finally came around. And when it did, oh, how good it was. How good it was. Stuff that went down that kind of rattled you know, just our family and everything, but God brings everything around. If we stand our ground and do what the Word says and trust in Jesus to work it out, certain things we can fix, but most things we can't. Just trust in God, and He's the fixer of all things. He says, I come into your life, and I fix all things. Just a paraphrase of Luke chapter 4, verse 19. Luke 8, verse 15, and this is the latter part of the parable of the sower. But the ones, meaning the words, that fell on the good ground are those who, after having heard the word with a noble and a good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Bear fruit with patience. You see, the word doesn't produce overnight, but it'll surely produce if we keep it and hold on to it and what we call stand on the word. Quoted it before, but here it is in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 3. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come to pass. It will not delay. God says, write the vision and make it plain. But there will be times when all of this is a snapshot of the future. It seems slow. It seems a long way off. But God says, wait for it and be patient. It will surely come to pass. You'll surely have a home with peace in your home. You'll surely have a healed body. You'll surely be able to pay your bills and more. You'll surely experience the better life that the Bible speaks about. So we are told over and over in the Word to not um, lose heart and to get discouraged. Do not grow weary in doing good, for in due season you will reap if you do not faint, if you do not lose heart. Galatians chapter 6, verse Six, seven, eight, thereabouts. Do not grow weary. Do not grow weary. Sometimes we seem to go on for weeks and for months. There appears to be no changes. But don't grow weary. Don't grow weary. We understand sufficiently now of the whole area of agriculture that when the farmer throws the seed in the ground, first it goes down before it comes up. And the bird has got to go down first and take root. And she's away, but it's just not visible in, 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 the, in, in the natural realm just yet, but it'll come. First the blade, then the ear, and then the full corn in the ear, if we just allow it.
to produce. Just quickly now, um, Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, just to reinforce what we're talking about. The book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Just before we are told to not let it depart out of our eyes now, we are saying the word must not depart out of our mouth. But you shall meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. God's got a prosperous life for you and a successful life. If we take the word, excuse me, and meditate upon it, upon it. as I said before, um, in Proverbs, uh, we were told, Proverbs chapter 4, we were told to not let the word depart from our eyes. Keep the vision. Now it says, don't let it depart out of your mouth. That speaks about the confession of the word. Are you confessing the word on a daily basis as part of your spiritual discipline? Because if you're not, I'd say start today. It's part of the process of moving you towards the prophetic vision and moving the prophetic vision towards you. A, a constant and steady confession of the word moves us more and more into a better and a more prosperous life and moves us more and more into good success. See, meditation involves the confession of the word. It involves a visualization of what the word promises. Don't let it depart from your eyes and, and don't let it depart out of your mouth. One's confession, the other one is visualization. When everything in the natural seems to be contrary to what God says, we still maintain a steady confession of the word. See, in the heat of the battle, when all hell breaks loose, sometimes people give up. But you see, persecution and affliction arises because of the word's sake. Because the devil knows that the word will bring forth if he leaves it alone and we manage to keep it, so he comes after us. It stirs up trouble. So people give up. This is just too hard. The Bible says the way of the sinner is hard. Our life's not hard. Sometimes it seems that way, but Jesus says, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. And he says, And, and I will give you rest. For my burden is easy and my yoke is light. We just carry too many things many times. That's when it gets heavy. Cast your cares upon the Lord, for he cares for you. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7 and 8. I used to be a warrior. Now I don't worry. I just I can't be tempted to worry anymore. I just I just can't produce anything through worry other than more, more gray hairs, and I don't want more of those, so I just leave it alone. It'll work out. If we do what the Word says, we confess the Word, it'll work out. 
Certain things I can do in the natural, but certain things I can't change. It's the God factor that changes things. It's the birth that I speak that plows the ground and redirects my life into the place where I need to be. Book of James tells us that our tongue is like a rudder of a ship. And we know that uh, ships are driven by fierce winds, James tells us. Because nowadays, you know, sailing boats, nowadays we've got, you know, said steam boats, we have passed those as well, we've got engines and everything. But still the rudder hasn't changed, that's just whatever they had in the early days, way back before they had any engines and just sailing boats to hit the rudder. And you know, the rudder at the back of the ship, typically, the size of it in relation to the whole ship, it's only a little rudder. But that rudder determines where the ship's going to go, not the fierce winds that drive the jolly thing. And you know, James goes on to say, that our tongue is only a little member. But let me tell you, your tongue determines where, what sort of a life that you're going to live. The words that you speak will di- determine the direction of where you're going, no matter what the afflictions are and what the winds of adversity brings. If you keep on confessing what the word says, in the face of all hell breaking loose, you're going to travel through the jolly thing and come out the other side. It's like a good friend... Um, a good friend, uh, praise God. A good friend, uh, Don McDonnell, says, if you, if you find yourself in hell, he says, don't stop. He says, keep going. <laughs> don't stop. People say, this is like hell on earth. Don't stop. Keep going. <laughs> Speak the word. Speak the word. In the face of all opposing circumstances. You look at your money situation, look at your bank account, and it's just not looking good. Speak the word. If you're a tither, say, I've got tither privileges. My God supplies all of my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I'm blessed coming in and I'm blessed going out. I'm blessed in the city and I'm blessed in the field. All the promises of God in Christ are yes and All of them are amen. Speak the word. Speak the word. Speak the word. Speak the word. See the word. See the vision of what God showed you when the preaching of the word. See, the Bible says that that faith, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And that word there speaks about the rhema, the proclaimed word that produces faith in our hearts and sparks something off. It produces a picture, a hope. God says, hold on to that hope. Don't let it go. People go out into the streets and get to their car and, and, and things sort of just dwindle. But just write the vision, make it plain. A solid and unwavering confession of the word steers us deeper and deeper into a better and more significant life. Don't back off. Don't back down. The word is stronger than any opposition that the devil can bring up. And the word is stronger to steer us out of situations that we got ourselves into because of wrong decisions that we've made. The word is stronger. 
The word brings restoration. Sometimes people experience brokenness because it's just bad decisions made. We can't blame the devil for everything. But the word will rebuild our lives. The spirit of God. Using the word to, as he did in the beginning, when he hovered over the face of the deep. And there was just chaos and darkness there. But when God spoke the word and the spirit of God was there and created light. God can turn night into day and a chaos into order. But it won't happen overnight. Just won't have time to get right to the end of the message. But here in Genesis chapter four, uh, 24 verse 36, it speaks about Isaac. Abraham's son. 24 verse 63. Did I say 63? Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening and he lifted his eyes and looked and behold, there were camels coming. Now the camels are not important to us, but what's important is the man went out to meditate in the evening in the field. Because uh, Abraham had sent one of his servants out to bring a wife for Isaac. And she arrived at that time as he's out in meditating and uh, mind you I would suggest he didn't just meditate five minutes and here turns up his wife you know if you believe in God for a spouse you just speak the word and uh, you know it may take a little while but God will bring the right person along and uh, he's out there meditating and I'd want to know what he meditated on that's what I want to know can I suggest to you that Isaac meditated on the prophetic vision that God given to his Father Abraham, and the God later on affirmed to him, and he says, Abraham, your father, or rather Isaac, your father Abraham is dead, but I'm visiting you. And he says, what I promised your father, I promise to you, that I'll make your name great, and I will bless you, and you'll be the father of, of many nations, and, and whoever blesses you will be blessed, and whoever curses you will be cursed. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed because the blessing was transferred on from Abraham to Isaac and from Isaac to Jacob and then to the whole nation of Israel. It was like a perpetual deal that God wanted to go on and on and on. That's what he meditated on. And the amazing thing is that the Bible says that there was a famine in the land. And, uh, and yet the Bible says that that. Uh, that Isaac sold in the land and he reaped a hundredfold. There's famine going on. He sows and he reaps a hundredfold. And all of his neighbor's stuff just never even came up. He reaps a hundredfold. You see, with meditation in the word and doing what the word says and trusting God and honoring God with our tithe and with our offering, even in an economic recession, we can still do well financially. Isaac had it in mind to go down to Egypt. There was like this deal, like when things were bad in, in Canaan, we need to go to Egypt. God says, don't go to Egypt. Stay in the land. Sow in the land. People say, oh, I need to go to Australia. I need to go to Australia. Australia is the promised land. No, 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 no. If God tells you to go to Australia, let not me hold you back. But, but we can prosper in New Zealand. We can live a significant life in New Zealand. 
don't know why it is, but people like in Europe, I know in Austria when I grew up, people say, I need to go to Germany. Well, what's in Germany? It's like there seems, it's not just Australia and New Zealand, people, I need to go to Australia. It's like, it's all around. People always think that a change of location is going to fix all their problems. <laughs> it's not. Let me tell you, I left Europe, traveled 12,000 miles and realized that all my problems were traveling with me. It's not until I had the word of the Lord to reformat my heart and get rid of all the junk, all the bad attitudes and all the stuff. The word meditate, and I'll close with this, the word meditate, according to one dictionary, means to speak to oneself in low tones as a way to establish or clarify proper thought. To speak to oneself. See, when we confess the word, in some respects we are speaking to ourselves. But you know, the spirit realm is listening. The angels are listening. The demons are listening too. God's listening. God wants to know what you're saying. God wants to know if you held on to the prophetic vision or you're speaking a thing contrary to it. This is, I'm speaking generally. I don't know what the prophetic vision for your life is. I know it generally, but I may, I may know for some of you the specifics. But as I say, you, you need to know that. <laughs> to speak to oneself in low tones. There's a famine in the land. And Isaac sold and the blade came up. You know, the plant started to grow, but sometimes in famine, the plant grows up, but there's no grain anywhere. And Abraham is out in the, Isaac is out in the field and he's looking at these plants coming up and says, you're going to do well. Because God says that I'm blessed. And God says to stay in the land and not go down to Egypt. God says, sow in the land and I will bless you. And so plant, I'm telling you, you are blessed. And he was just talking to himself and he's mumbling away. And you know, the, the word meditate means to mumble and to, to kind of uh, almost speaking like under one's breath. Sometimes uh, if you were to hear me standing in the shower, not that you need to, <laughs> the shower, I want to have a private shower, but if you were to listen, you'd hear mumbling going on, you'd hear a You'd hear a speaking in tongues, and, and, and then throughout the day at various times, it's just speaking the word. Speaking the word. Not in any way connected with what's going on at the time. In fact, many times the very contrary of what's going on in the natural. But I'm plowing a new direction for my life. Because my Bible tells me in the same way as the rudder of a ship, despite the fierce winds that try to push the boat into this direction, the rudder is able to push the thing into that direction. So it is with the Word of God. It carves out a blessed life for us in the midst of difficult circumstances. Praise God. We speak the Word. And we allow God to bring clarification to the prophetic vision. Write the vision. Make it plain. Use visual aids. Put something on your mirror. Put something on your fridge. Put a picture there. And, and, and whatever it is, use these things to hold the vision and, 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 and to not let the devil steal it from you. Praise God. Let's just bow our heads and 
just allow the Spirit of God as we transition from the preaching of the Word. Some of you were getting pictures and, and, and visions uh, uh, almost as the preaching of the Word took place. It's like something got sparked off. And like suddenly like, oh, oh, well, it's a prophetic vision. Might mean you need to write a few things down. Hold the original thought. Capture the original image. Let your imagination pack it out a little bit with the help of the Holy Spirit. We don't fantasize, as we've said before, but we allow the Spirit of God to use the Word of God to paint on the canvas of our heart, to give us pictures and visions of what our future looks like. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for marriages restored in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord God, for health, for bodies restored in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father, for pictures, Lord, of a prosperous life where people are able to pay all of their bills and beyond. I thank you, Father, that, Lord, you made us the head and not the tail to be above only and not beneath. That we're not under the circumstances, we create the circumstances. Hallelujah. We change the circumstances. By faith, we move into a better day. By faith, we have a better marriage. By faith, we have a healed body. By faith, we live a significant life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Praise God. Praise God. Wonderful Jesus. Wonderful Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for visiting your people afresh through visions and dreams.